We continue in our sermon series, Do I Have to Believe That? And today we consider original sin. So get ready. Our text is from Genesis, the entirety of chapter 3. As we come to this story, I invite you to pray with me. It feels impossible to hear this story without wrapping it in old baggage. But God, it is also true that it's impossible to encounter your word and not have the Holy Spirit nearby. So may your spirit open our ears that we would hear your voice of blessing. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one, be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, who, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me, who gave the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent tricked me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pangs in childbirth exceedingly great. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to the man, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. 
Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, See, the humans have become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now they might reach out their hands and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent them forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which they were taken. He drove them out. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a sword flaming and turning to guard the way to the tree of life. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. My dad and his siblings grew up in a frugal household. Now there was plenty of money, it just wasn't spent very freely. The oldest in that clan is my uncle George. When George was about 12 or 13, he wanted a two-wheeler bike and was told that he could only have it if he earned the money to buy it. It was a three-speed. It had handbrakes, and it was the first one of its kind sold in his small Virginia town. So George raised the $125, delivering the Bluefield Daily Telegraph on his paper route. But once this magnificent bike was in the garage, an additional last-minute requirement was added by my grandmother. To ride said two-wheeler, George must first memorize the entire Westminster Shorter Catechism. <laughs> it's amazing my uncle still loves the Lord today. So here is a snippet. What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. What was the sin of our first parents? eating the forbidden fruit. Who tempted them to this sin? The devil tempted Eve, and she gave the fruit to Adam. What effect had the sin of Adam on all mankind? All mankind are born in a state of sin and misery. What is that sinful nature which we inherit from Adam called original sin? William Henry Belk, the founder of Belk Stores, used to give every child in Presbyterian churches in North Carolina a silver dollar if they memorized this catechism. I don't have one. <laughs> Jay Klompmaker told me this week that in his church growing up, they talked about sins of commission and sins of omission. Doing something bad was a sin of commission, and that's what his preacher talked about all the time. But not doing something good 
that never got airtime. Which is why when Karen Vandersee was trying out a Christian group in college, she noticed that that group seemed to spend less time on Bible study and more time discussing who had been spotted on Patterson Court over the weekend. Now you Davidson people will know that Patterson Court is where the parties took place. The sin scorecard keeping was too much for her. With all of this swirling in my brain and wanting to bring a good word to you, doing all this study for this series, I just asked my own 11-year-old, Naomi, what do you think sin is? Without missing a beat, she said, sin, that's easy, S-I-N, Science Interactive Notebook. <laughs> nice dodge, Dick, nay. Good work. Speaking of science, last week we read the creation story and heard that humankind is made in the very image of God. We are called good, very good. So church, which is it? Are we born into a state of sin and misery? Or are we good, indeed very good? Let's go to the word, we say. Good idea, we say. Open to chapter 3. And we get this text. I opened the commentary of the preeminent Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann. And his first line of commentary about this text says this. No text in the entire Bible has been more misunderstood than this text. Great. <laughs> so bear with me as we walk through this a bit. If you have your Bible open in front of you, you'll notice that a title has been added to this chapter. The title reads, The First Sin and Punishment. Well, right off the bat, it's misleading. The word punishment, the word fall, is nowhere in this text. The word sin isn't either. The word sin doesn't show up until the next chapter when Cain murders Abel. Now God does curse two things in this chapter, the serpent taking away his legs, the ground making it harder to farm. And yes, there are consequences. Childbirth hurts, yes. Work will require sweat, yes. The humans have to leave the garden. But neither Adam nor Eve are ever cursed. Here's something else that I didn't notice until it was pointed out. When Adam and Eve realize they're naked, they use fig leaves to cover themselves. Now, I just bought a fiddle leaf fig for my office, and I can tell you, those leaves, they're not soft. When God hears that Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit of the tree, God makes garments of skins to clothe them, to provide for them, soft leather, much more comfortable. Even in the moment of rebellion, 
God performs an act of reconciliation and offers them a blessing of provision for life. The Catechism says that the devil tempted Eve, but nowhere in this text do we hear of the devil or Satan. It doesn't say that the snake is Satan. It says the snake is an animal, and we're told that God made the animal. Later theologians wanting this to be a story about the origin of evil give the snake that name. But here's the thing, this story does not give us the origin of evil, I'm sorry. Instead, I think what it does is it gives us a picture of what it looks like for humans to grow up. This is a coming of age story. Biblical scholar Sib Towner writes this. He says, there is no fall in this chapter if by fall, one means the doctrine of shattering the divine image in humankind. If you mean the loss of morality at an early moment in human history and the transmission of original sin through human genes ever after. Instead, what Genesis 3 gives us is a paradigm, a story about every human being rebelling against the commandments of God and thus discovering alienation and despair. It is a powerful, primitive rendition of a reality that all of us know full well. The truth that life is a pilgrimage from innocence to maturity. Now, most of us are already grown up. We have had to navigate succeeding and failing, loving and losing. It's already done for us, right? But there are fleeting moments when we can actually see innocence fading into maturity in other people. We can see the growing up process. Think about observing our children or our nieces and nephews, children in our life. Now, I'm not just talking about when they inevitably start lying about who punched who in the face. That will happen. But I mean, I mean the day that they no longer jump out of the bathtub and run through the house in their birthday suit. Instead, they, they wrap up in a towel behind a closed door, not because their bodies are bad or they've done anything bad, but because all of a sudden they're aware of them. They're growing up. They're coming of age. This is what we all do. Nancy did a beautiful job of describing sin as missing the mark. Sin means that we have fallen away, fallen off the mark of who God has made us to be. Not that we are fallen and can never get back up. 
I wish there was someone like Nancy who could have taught me that when I was younger. I got the message that sin was separation from God. And that was confusing to me because I was also taught that nothing could separate me from God. It wasn't until seminary when I was introduced to the theologian Shirley Guthrie who said that sin is separation from ourselves. And if sin is separation not from God, but from who I'm made to be, then first I have to understand who I'm made to be, right? What it means to be a grown-up human, someone who has limits, someone who's made good. And sin is when we forget that. Sin is when we pretend we have no limits. And sin is when we forget that we're made good, when we forget that we are those blessed with the divine image within us. So when we get too big for our britches and when we play too small, we make a mess of the world around us. I included the words from the Apostle Paul from Romans as our prayer of confession today. He says, I do not do the good I want, and I do what I do not want. What he's trying to articulate and really convoluted vocabulary here is the pain of not acting like yourself, like you know God made you to be. And that pain is universal. Sin affects us all, individually and collectively. All of us fall short of the glory of God. But the doctrine of original sin, as it's been taught, says that that problem lives in our genes, like having blue eyes and brown hair. And if that's so, then why try to fight it? That's part of what, why I think it's dangerous for this kind of doctrine to be taught from the pulpit or anywhere. But perhaps even more so, what troubles me is what original sin says about our bodies. If this sin problem is in our genes, then it has to get passed down through sex. So now we have twisted our God-given sexuality into a vehicle for sin. This is why Roman Catholics say that for Christ to be sinless, Mary had to be a virgin, and not only that, but Mary had to be conceived without sin. It's what they call the Immaculate Conception, which is why you'll hear Mother Mary full of grace. But friends, from the top of our head to the bottom of our toes, we too are full of grace if, in fact, we have been made in God's image. Our bodies are good. We are blessed to be a blessing in the world. Lastly, I'll say that original sin narrows our understanding of Jesus Christ. Ask a stranger why we need a savior, and they may say, Jesus Christ died to save us from our sin. 
Now that's not wrong, but that's not all. When Adam and Eve, trying to be know-it-alls, eat the fruit that God tells them not to eat, the serpent tells them they will be like God. They'll blur the limits between humanity and divinity. But remember, when the angel shows up at Mary full of grace's house and tells her this crazy plan that God has cooked up, The plan is that God has decided to collapse the boundary between the human and the divine, not so we could be like God, but so God could show us in flesh and blood, in God's very own birthday suit, how very deeply we are loved. That's why we need Jesus, y'all, not just because of our sin problem, but because of our blessing problem. We are in the terrifying and tragic habit of forgetting that we have an original blessing. A blessing that comes from a God who will do anything and everything to be with us and to show us what living that blessing out in the world means. God has been trying to tell us this all along. Not just in Christ dying, yes, but also in his rising and healing and eating and teaching. The salvation we know in Jesus Christ is wider than we've ever imagined. Now y'all are troopers to last this long in a sermon on sin and to trudge through this most misunderstood story. And if it is indeed a story of growing up, of coming of age, then grow up we must, church, because we live in a world of big problems, problems that cannot be left in the hands of those who aren't mature. And this world is waiting waiting for the blessing that lives in us to be expressed. So grab your grown-up two-wheeler bike, church, and let us ride straight toward who we are created to be. Alleluia. Amen.